With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Walk Pod. Good to have you all along with us tonight. I'm joined as always by my co-host Ian. How are you getting on, Ian? Really good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad at all. It's the international break. And with us always, as always too, is producer Matt. How are you getting on, Matt? Hi, Ollie. Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks. It's good to uh, get to the Kenny for the last game and uh, see our mate for a 40th birthday so yeah i'm doing really well thanks yeah it was nice i actually i had to buy liz a pint not not happy having to shell out for, for pints that i'm not consuming myself nevertheless let's jump straight in and have a look back at the west ham game as well as all the other news around kenworth road this past week in our news segment i heard it through rowan's grapevine Let's kick off with some one-word reviews from the West Ham game. Uh, on Facebook, Haley Church and many others said, Penalty. Ben Wolfson said, Competitive. Andrew Malcolm said, Gutsy. Jim Sacco said, Nakamba. And a lot of people have just said, Improvement. On Twitter, In Tom Lockyer We Trust said, Robbed. Mr. PDW said, Free Headers. And then the rest are a mix of Handball and penalty so ian what jumps out at you from that list i think i'll probably have a good go it's an improvement wasn't it i think um can we say that that in the international break has come at the wrong time as we were getting into our stride probably a bit of a reach but um it, it was a much better performance i think we had larger spells of the game clearly we were in the game and we should have could have got something from the game as well against a, a team that are in form. Um, and, you know, you, you only have to look at Bowen's post-match comments to, to see that it was a hard game for them. In fact, he said that it was the hardest game they've had so far, which is, a you know, a big compliment, um, which we haven't had too many of those recently. So, um, but it was good. It was an improvement. And, you know, it's kind of going the way I thought it would do. You start to see small adjustments, small improvements, less mistakes. And, you know, we seem to be adapting to the league a little bit better um, each game. Yeah, I find myself agreeing with that. There there were definitely signs of improvement there. And contrary to what Garth Crooks would say, uh, if you look at the total shot, 16 for Luton, 9 for, for West Ham. One shot on target, though, for Luton and three for West Ham it just shows the clinical nature but if you look at the XG 
that we carved out, an XG of 1.47 compared to West Ham's XG of 1.03. It just shows the difference of clinical edge in the Premier League. But who stood out in the game for you guys? Nakamba definitely stood out. Um, Barkley, in periods, stood out. Obviously, he's, he gassed out um, towards the, the end of his, his period. I think those two really stood out. Yeah, I think those those two are the best for me. And Burke, Burke, Burke had another exceptional game. I said it in the post match that if we can keep him fit all season, he's going to be a major asset for us. And again, I just we go to take what I said in in the post match space really that we kind of build our team around not having Reese Burke in it because we can't rely on him being fit. But if we can. Um, he's a major asset, just as much as Locker, in my opinion. The way he steps out, some of the quality he has on the ball, and, and he gives us a little bit more impetus moving forward with the rest of the team. I'm delighted that you picked out Marvellous Nakamba and Ross Barkley as your two players that stood out for you there, because I actually did some little digging and put some stats together for them. Marvellous Nakamba, 72 touches, 100% of his tackles won, Two interceptions and 13 recoveries. He was literally everywhere. And Ross Barkley, contrary to everyone being upset that he didn't clap off as he walked off the pitch, four chances created, one of those being a big chance. Two shots on goals. He was very unfortunate he didn't get them quite on target. 100% successful dribbles. That's three of three. And he also did the dirty side of the game too. Um, an absolutely crucial interception, which then Burke cleared. And when I saw that happening, I had to ask the people around me, who just made that, that interception? I had no idea that it was Ross Barkley. I thought it was Alfie Doughty chasing back because it was just perfectly timed. And he did so much going forward. He did so much going back. And yeah, he was gassed. He was absolutely gassed at half time. But he did well to make it to about 70 minutes before getting replaced. And essentially, if we have Ross Barkley in his prime, we can work him back to fitness. We're laughing. We have made the signing of the window, quite frankly. Yeah. And 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 for me, I think I'm at the stage where my ex expectancy levels of the players at the moment are that we're going to get a certain amount from them because they are adjusting to the league not so much in, in Ross Barkley's case but he has got to get fit so it's different for him but the rest you, you're looking for their periods in the game to get better and longer periods in the game more the season goes on um, and we're starting to see that you know by all means, I don't think Ross Barkley had a completely 100% fluid game. Neither did Nikamba, neither did Giles and Dowerty or Burke. Um, but then le- levels are improving, and that's kind of what we've got to be looking for now. Um, we saw uh, a lot of heart and desire from the team again on Friday night. The ty- type of Luton performance, trying to find something and digging the heels in and actually getting something from the game. We were unlucky not to. So that's kind of what we're looking for at the moment. And, and I think we're getting there. We're getting that at the minute. Well, you say unlucky not to get something from the game. So we we'd pulled a goal back and it was a very good header from Mads Anderson. He squeezed in between Zuma and Agard. And then a corner comes in and James Ward-Prowse doesn't know what he's doing. It just bounces in off his elbow. Well, what do you make of that? Because... It's quite disgraceful. It sort of split pundits 50-50. It was a pen, right? 
Yeah, yeah, of course it was. I mean, but just going back to the two goals before that, I mean, both headers for the, the, the one for, not so much Zuma because it was a good leap, but the Boeing one, we should have done better with that for me. Um, and West Ham, they missed two free headers for for, for our goal, really. Um, you know, Morrissey pretty much had a free header and Mads had a free header, really. So they, they probably went off thinking they should have done better with that as well. Um, and it's just them moments that you can get punished, you know. Even the teams in form, like West Ham in the Premier League, can get punished, and it's just as eradicating them. But going going to the penalty, yeah, it's a penalty all day long, isn't it? You know, it changed the flight of the ball. I I, I would never understand Mike Dean's comments that if it's given on the pitch, it's a penalty, but if it's given at VAR, it isn't. I mean, how much smoke and mirrors do they want to put up? I don't understand. Let's just make it simple. Um, it was a penalty. It was handball. You know, if we look at, was it Lockyer's one that was given um, where it was just behind him? It was exactly the same. You know, uh, there's no difference to that. It's a penalty. Um, so there's just, there's just not enough clarity. And it's not just our game. And, it, you know, you expect the clubs that are down the bottom half of the division not to get these decisions. And you look at Man United's decisions at the weekend uh, where, where they got one and they'll, they'll get it, you know. So it's just one of those things. It's going to be frustrating all season. But I think we've just got to look after our own counsel, really. You know, we, we've got to do what we can to win the game. We can't rely on decisions like that. We've just got to keep keep going. Yeah, well, it's it's potentially a point loss that could be very crucial come the end of the season. And now if we just start back to their opening goal, as you said, Zuma's header was very good and he did well to create space. With Bowen's header, were we potentially caught with our pants down? Like Amari Bell, again, sort of being caught under the flight of the ball, or was the ball just too good from Lucas Paqueta? It, it, there's no getting away from it. It was a very good, good ball. Um, it was kind of a no look, so you didn't kind of know it was going to end up in that direction of the pitch. So it was very well placed. However, I am conflicted and kind of sat on the fence. We, I feel like we could have done a bit better, but also, you know, how do you leave someone with that amount of space in the box? Yes, he's created that space and created it well, but we've got to be more savvy in them situations and follow the man. We didn't. He scored and put it away nicely. I feel like I'm being a tad harsh to say we could we could have done better, but I feel like we could have done so. I can only wear my heart on the sleeve and say, look, we, we could have done a little bit better with that. If we can indeed do better, I'm sure it's something that Rob Edwards, Paul Trollope and Richie Carl we will be pointing out to the rest of the team. And they got a whole international break to worry about these things now. Um, well, let's move on to the transfer news. The window slammed shut, and we discussed Ted and Mengi on last week's podcast. So the only addition on deadline day was Albert Sambi Lakonga. He's on loan from Arsenal for the season. Allegedly, it's a £500,000 loan fee for the season, which I feel is good value, potentially. It could lead to a variety of changes in formations and also midfield configurations, depending on who misses out. Who stays on? How do you feel Albert Sambi Lakonga is going to fit in? I think it, it it remains to be seen. Really, it's a difficult one to judge because, yeah, I think he's played twenty nine times for Arsenal, nine for Crystal Palace, I think, um, and he's done okay. Uh, he's got one appearance for Belgium, so he's definitely got some pedigree there. He adds to our Premier League appearances and that little bit of experience as well. But I was saying to producer Matt off air that. 
the one thing I've got from him is he sounds like he really wants to play for us. You know, he's really enthusiastic and he wants to come and help. And I think that's come across in not just his interviews on the day, but the media work afterwards, which we can always work with that. But it looks, it looks decent, yeah. Yeah, it's important to have that Premier League experience because having that knowledge on the pitch about how quickly a game can change, uh, as we saw against West Ham, that they'll take, they'll take the chances. It's good to have that experience in our wheelhouse, I guess. Main thing of that experience as well is that it's different experience than it at let's say Arsenal, where he's in a relatively solid team under not a lot of pressure, not the same kind of pressure that he's going to get at Luton. But he has experienced that at Crystal Palace last season, down the bottom of the league. So he's used to being in that position now, and you know he'll have a, a flavour for that already. So he knows what to expect in that kind of that kind of battle and being beat a few times. So. That'll only help him as well. He's a little bit more battle worn than you know, the likes of Kabari is or or whatnot. Oh yeah, one hundred percent agree with you there. Uh, and there were plenty of outgoings over the day during transfer deadline day. Uh, Alan Campbell shuffled off to Millwall on loan. Louis Watson to Charlton on loan. Admiral Musquay to Exeter on loan. Dion Pereira to Sutton United. And Matt Macy and Glenn Ray both left Luton Town by mutual consent. So out of that list, I'm trying to think of a better way of putting this. Snog, marry, kill. I know what you're saying, but um, out of that list, how can you not want to to snog Glenn Ray and his luscious locks? But um, <laughs> I think we, we bid him off. But um, He's been a great servant for us, but Alan Campbell. Ugh, I'm, I'm a little bit gutted about that. <laughs> I know we can't shoe on him in, and I know he's not fitting our system at the moment, but I just, I love the way he plays. I love watching him play so much. Uh, I'm glad he's gone to Millwall, actually, because I think that's a good move for him. It's it's the right kind of club, so that'll be a good move for him. But, you know, the rest, Dion's, I think he's had his chance now. I hate to say it as well, because I like the lad, actually. Um, But it looks like he's had his chance. I think he needs to move on now. Macy, self-explanatory. Glenn Ray. I hope he gets a decent move. Someone said today that Cole U would be a good move with McGeehan and, and Taylor there. That would be nice to have a little bit of Hatter experience there. Um, and obviously he can link up with Cameron McGeehan again. Yeah, that's that's my outlook on it. I, I hope Campbell comes back in some capacity. I know uh, contractually wise, that's a bit up in the air with him, but um, I hope he can come back. Yeah, I would be very keen for Alan Campbell to come back. Alas, I don't think that's going to be the case with, as you say, his contract situation. He's in the third year with us unless we manage to put in uh, an extension that we can trigger if he, if we were to go down and if he were to have a very good season. Although, would he make it back into our team with Rob Edwards as manager? It's, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence about that because Rob Edwards really hasn't been keen since Alan Campbell's uh, since Rob Edwards has been in the building. Admiral Musquay, I don't understand why we've loaned him out, though. Just get rid. Get rid of Admiral Musquay. Uh, he has been terrible, apart from a brief period before going to AFCON. Then he came back to AFCON. It was like he'd been space jammed. He couldn't play football to save his life. Louis Watson, I feel, will come good. Dion Pereira, again, I don't know why we're, we're persisting with him. It says a lot that he's gone on loan to Sutton United. 
but th- that's my opinion on it. Uh, Glenn Ray, yes, it's very sad to see him leave. But again, he wasn't making it into our team, was he? No, and I think he, he needed to move on. Hopefully, Glenn can um, resurrect his career um, now. Um, hopefully get a good deal somewhere. Um, it'd be a shame for him to just kind of fizzle out now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him back at Kenilworth Road in some form of capacity, in some form of coaching capacity, just like Danny Hilton. Um, you know, they get Luton, they're a big part of the story, a big connection, so I'm sure we'll see them like we did with Benno and Forby and that lot. So, Speaking of Danny Hilton, did you see that story that apparently he wears all his Hatters gear around the Northampton training ground? That's just sensational. Yeah, what a guy! What a guy! How can you not love Danny Hilton? He's like he—you can tell he's just a, a through and through Luton Town supporter now. He just loves Luton, doesn't he? I think he gets the whole whole thing. I mean, how many players have we had that had like him over the last twenty years that that, that get us as much as he does, and you know, we, and we loved him as much as we did. Um, he's superb. Yeah, I wouldn't expect anything different from him, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think. Danny Hilton, as you say, and Glenn Ray. It's not the last we've seen of them. They'll they'll be coming back. Danny Hilton's always back anyway. In other news, international call-ups. Chidozi Ogbene is looking to add to his 15 caps with Republic of Ireland, and they have European qualifiers against France and Netherlands. Amari Bell, unfortunately, is going on his way to play some more international football. He'll be looking to add to his 15 Jamaican caps with fixtures against Honduras and Haiti. Kelly Ruddock is back amongst the call-ups, looking to add to his two caps of the DR Congo. They have an AFCON qualifier against Sudan and then a friendly against South Africa. And Izakabore will most certainly be adding to his 32 Burkina Faso caps. Can you believe at his age he has 32 appearances for his country? That's mad. They are playing at Swatini in an AFCON qualifier before a friendly against Morocco. And Thomas Kaminsky has also been called up by Belgium for Euro qualifiers against Azerbaijan and Estonia. Hopefully, Thomas Kaminsky comes in as number one, thanks to the injury to Thibaut Courtois. And uh, we were discussing this off air. Tom Lockyer was called up by Wales, but he was forced to withdraw with a thigh injury that kept him out of our match against West Ham. I'm hoping Tom Lockyer is fit again for the game against Fulham. Uh, we can discuss that more later. But I think that's the sensible option, right? Keeping Tom Lockyer out of that. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be playing in a friendly midweek <laughs> somewhere. I don't know how uh, how genuine that injury is in terms of how genuine it is now. Obviously, it kept him out of the game against West Ham, but... I think he's probably just not taking any risks. He's probably all right now. Oh, so you think uh, Rob Edwards has done it? Alex Ferguson? I think it's Paul Fergie, yeah. Ooh, um, Paul Fergie. And probably, you know, Tom Lockyer has probably made the decision as well. I mean, if he's if he's had that little bit of an injury, but he's all right, I mean, why risk it? Why risk it? Especially the stuff he had, you know, after the playoff final and stuff. He's, he didn't have a full pre-season, as it were. Not to uh, full, full capacity. Um, but so he'll 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 be wanting to be careful, I think. Yeah, I think that's more of a cautious decision rather than he's definitely being kept out. But fair I'm play, looking forward Tom to some Lockyer. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of those international internationals as well. So that's definitely um, the Ogbeni one because my Irish roots and stuff. I, lo- I like watching Ireland, and I'll, I'll be watching Pelly. I think if if I can get a good stream. 
uh, legal one, obviously, but um, I'll be watching that. Uh, the rest I'm not too fussed about. I've, I've tried watching Jamaica a little bit, and it's just hard to, to get into watching them, really. They're not great, are they? It also doesn't help that they tend to kick off at, like, 2 a.m. Oh, yeah, well, but I'm not fussed. I'd watch it if um, if it was half decent, but it's just, I don't know. It's a really, it's really bad standard of football, really. But Bell always plays pretty well. He always watches extended highlights and stuff. Um, he always plays pretty well. He's come on leaps and bounds for their their national team actually because last season he had a few rough patches for them. But he seems to be doing quite well now. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll be following and keeping tabs on all our hatters as they go abroad and play for their international teams. But that was all the news this week from Kenilworth Road. Now it's time for Discord and Telegram questions. Okay, uh, let's kick this off. We have a question from Alex from Telegram. And they said, should Giles be dropped for Doughty? Ollie. No, I don't think he should be dropped for Doughty. Doughty did a great job at right wing back. However, I do think we need Gabore there. Hopefully, with Lokonga coming in, there is potentially a way to fit Doughty and Giles together. Because in that game against West Ham, both Giles and Doughty had great games, in my opinion. Giles did really well to find the space and, and get the crosses in. And he, he was up against a very tough Kufal. Um, so I, I, I think, no, Giles should not be dropped for Doughty. But I do think Rob Edwards is trying his best to accommodate both of them. Okay, and Ian? Kind of along the same lines as Ollie, really, before West Ham. I think I actually said it on the on the previous pod that yeah potentially give he give Dowie a chance but I think both played really really well against West Ham and both deserve to again start the next game I think I like Kabore I think there's some he's got some assets there that Dowie doesn't have on the right um, but I just don't get enough from him going forward. He doesn't produce enough for me at this at the moment, um, and whether that's just because he just needs to bed in, I'm not sure. But for me, I, you know, the next game I'd go Giles and Dowerty again, and, and bring on Kabare later on. Okay. Uh, next question is from Barney from Telegram, and they said, "Should we have gone for West Ham a bit more, Ian?" Yeah, and I, I say this. I, I said this in the post match. I, I, I think. I I appreciate we're we're scared of making mistakes, um, and I know there's a thin bal- thin line, and you've got to balance it. I just wanted just to, just have that little bit more hunger to try and you know go for it a little bit more, let the shackles off. And I think Ollie said after I said that that we can start to see the cobwebs falling away. We're starting to see the looting of last season going forward. Um, we could see that in the chances that we you know we created and the shots on target that we had against West Ham, but. There's just that little piece of the jigsaw missing, I think. We just need that little bit of confidence, get rid of the nerves, um, and it will, it will fall into place. We'll start carving, carving more opportunities up and start taking them. But I appreciate why, why someone would ask that question because of that reason. But it will come. It will come. Not much to add there. Essentially, it will come. Okay, the next question is from Matt LTFC from Discord. They said, Aside from the frailties down our left-hand side, what is the single biggest issue Rob Edwards should be focusing on in training during the international break? 
Uh, I'll quickly give my five cents here. I think consistency on shots or that final third, kind of the delivery of the ball from our strikers into the goal. Ollie. Yeah, again, you're taking the words out of my mouth. It's about delivery into the final third and making sure that our strikers don't snatch at chances, perhaps that our strikers actually go after the chances. There was a fantastic ball in from Nakamba, and Elijah Adebayo kind of hesitated to go after it, and it was a guilt-edged chance, and he was lucky that he had two bites of that cherry, but uh, he couldn't put it away. So yeah, I I feel it's going to be trying to fine-tune the striking department. Just really quickly to add on to that before I pass to Ian, there has definitely been a lot of balls put into the box it's just i feel like there's been that lack of clinical edge which has kind of taken us back a bit. but yeah ian over to you for me it's it's not necessarily tactics um i think we're on the right right track i don't think we're actually far away from being a very competitive football team i think you know we just need to loosen up a bit get rid of those cobwebs loosen loosen up get rid of some of the nerves get the, the team a little bit more close-knit because of the amount of additions we've had um, this season. I think we just need to, to work together as a team. Go away from football for a bit, do something a bit different, go play golf for a little while, whatever. And I know that might irk a few Luton Town supporters to say that because people think, oh, we need to change this. But I don't think we do. I honestly don't. I think we just need to become a little bit closer as a team, get a bit more fun in there because at the moment you don't see a lot of smiles on faces. You see a lot of hard work going in but you don't see what we saw last season and the banter and all that kind of stuff. And I think we just, once we start getting that back, everything else will come together. Thank you. And we know that the uh, Luton Town play is definitely like a game of golf. Uh, next question is from Sam from Discord. They said, thoughts on the Ted and Mengi signing? Do we reckon he'll get many starts? Ollie? Yeah, I can see him getting starts in place of Bell because... Bell's exhausted. We, we've said it so much. He looks exactly like what he is right now. He looks like a man that hasn't had a break for two years. So I think Mengi's coming in for Bell's position. Just to share the load. Okay, and finally, the last question from Jaylock from Discord. They said, where do you stand on the white versus orange kit debate? Who would you like us to see handle future kits? And are there any concepts you'd like us to revisit or steal from another club? Uh, personally, I'm a I'm a big fan of the orange. I feel like it's a very defining feature of the Luton Town of today. But I know that other people like the throwback uh, before it was changed. Ian, what's your thoughts? White at home, orange away. Um, while we're on the subject, where's the third kit? Where is the third kit? Not been seen since that leak from the Premier League. It just seems odd that we've not released it yet, but maybe there's just some issues or... They didn't like it and sent it back. I don't know. But yeah, it's the old age debate. Apparently it was rigged at the time. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, it's white for me. I love orange. Orange is my favourite colour. I love Luton playing in orange. But I just, I, I, I love us playing in white at home as well. So I'm just on the white side. And just to add on to that, is, is there anyone else you'd like to see handle future kits or any other concepts you want to see us visit or steal? Ooh. Not really. I'm I'm quite an avid shirt collector. I've got about 300 shirts in the closet from clubs and Luton and everything else. I like Adidas. I liked Luton's Adidas back in the day. But the problem is with Nike and Adidas, they're all a bit shit now. Do you know what I mean? They're not like they were of old. 
unless you go abroad. I don't collect Premier League kits or English kits apart from Luton. So um, unless you go abroad, they seem to be completely different. And I don't know why that is, whether it's completely different design departments. I don't know. Um, but I would like to see Adidas stripes on a Luton shirt again. And Ollie? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of Adidas. I'd only want us to go back to Adidas if they could rehash all the kits from the 80s because I absolutely adored those kits. I'm also strongly opposed to orange. I voted white at the time. And to build on what Ian said, I don't think it was rigged. However, I do think there is a massive bias in the fan base because of the age. A lot of our fans who voted grew up and their formative years, like Gary Sweet, were us playing in orange. So that was how it was rigged. But I, I, I do, I've, I've pretty much only met people that have said, oh yeah, I voted white. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that said they voted orange. So yeah, I feel it was a bit rigged. Uh, but for me, white home, orange away, always. Mainly because I'm a 90s kid. I voted orange. Yeah. Great questions as always. Thank you, Matt. We'll see you again later. Now let's talk about some of the monthly giveaways from our sponsors. Beard Surgeon Beard Oil comes in a set with a wide selection of scented oils and moisturiser that you use together. Unlike other beard oil companies, Beard Surgeon used cannabis sativa seed oil as a key ingredient which supports the skin barrier, strengthens your hair follicles, keeps inflammation at bay, and minimizes breakouts on your skin. It also makes your beard feel and smell excellent. We have a beard oil set to give away this month, which you can check out on our socials. You can also get 15% off on your purchase of Beard Surgeon Oils through their website using the code WALT15. We have also teamed up with Blackstar Amplification as our audio partner. We are giving away a Bluetooth Fly 3 amp every month of the season. These Fly 3s sound great. They are also lightweight. They connect to anything from phones to guitars. So even if you're not a musician, you have a boombox wherever you go. Keep an eye on our socials as we have lots of giveaways going on through the month. But Ian, why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? I don't know, Ollie. Why is it different? Because there's a joke in here. Three nuns walk up to a priest to do confession for some wrongdoings. First nun says, Father, I've kissed a man. What should I do? The priest says, That'll be two Hail Marys and drink a pint of holy water. The second nun says, Father, I've had a drink of alcohol. The priest says, that's five Hail Marys and drink two pints of holy water. Third nun goes up to the priest and says, Father, I've horribly sinned. The priest asks what it is she did. Third nun turns around and says, the toilet was busy, so I had to pee in the holy water. <laughs> <laughs> These, uh, we should do a rating system on the uh, Joe Kinnears each week. Um, so we'll start off this week. I think I will go for a 7.5 on that one. It wasn't bad. Um, I think if Ollie had delivered it, that's a four four out of ten. Quite I easily. agree with that. Yeah. Both with your rating of the joke and also the rating of if I had delivered the joke. I would love to claim. Uh, I'd love to claim the origin of that joke, but I actually have to give credit to Jay Rignall from Discord. Hey, good stuff. Big up the Discord. Thanks, Matt. Now let's look ahead to our next fixture against Fulham. 
Well, it's two weeks out from Fulham. We'll go more in depth next week. Um, but for now, two weeks out from Fulham. Matt, what do you think is priority for Rob Edwards over this international break? I think, um, personally, I think a lot of it will be kind of a morale sort of thing for the team. They've had three fixtures so far that they have improved each game. So I think it's kind of keeping that team spirit going off of the back of that. There's going to be a two-week break. So I think keeping them gelled as a team. But also I think maybe, hopefully some, uh, I'm sure they have been already doing this, but uh, just continued focus on that finishing aspect. I know it's not going to be something that has been missed, and I know they have done this before, but it just it's something to me as a fan that has stood out that there have been opportunities that have been missed. Yeah, that's very fair. Ian, have you got anything to add to that? No, similarly to to producer Matt, really. I think we, we just need to loosen up, man. Um, these things, these chances are going to get put away when we're confident and there's no nerves. We need Pelly to get that Uno pack out again, gets the Uno competitions going out, fuck the footballs off, and we'll we'll just they'll just bond, and then we'll see a, a, you know that positive, confident Luton town that we had last year that just you know would just turn up and would just be smiles all around, really. I alluded to it earlier. We need more smiles on faces, the team to integrate together. And, you know, tactics-wise, we're, we're, we're pretty sure. I think we're getting better each week. I think that's just uh, a bit of fun. Yeah, there's nothing I can disagree with there. Well, we'll never do score predictions on this pod because we are very superstitious. But let's wrap up this pod with a game of Hatter or Lower. This week on Hatter or Lower, we have another very special guest. This week, welcome Roger Wash from Hatter's Heritage and Hatter Historian. How are you getting on, Rog? I'm fine, but I've, I was tested positive for COVID yesterday. So oh, I'm being no. a brave little soldier, you know. So if I only get one out of 10, then uh, that's the reason. Oh, well, I'm sure you'll do better than one out of 10. For those of you who don't know Rog, he is the lead historian at Hatter's Heritage, and he is also single-handedly building a museum at Power Court. You're building that with your bare hands, right, Rog? Yeah, I've got a group of volunteers that help me both with Hatter's Heritage and or, and will be helping, the same people will be helping me with the museum. It's not, a, I'm not a one-man band. I need, I need assistance. And I've got some, basically, since we started Hatter's Heritage, a lot of the volunteers who I didn't know before have become firm friends, to be quite honest. No, that's really great. And uh, of course, Hatter's Heritage always need volunteers. Please feel free to get involved. Uh, I'll discuss that a bit later. Uh, but Rog, i got to ask you, how did you get involved with Luton Town and subsequently Hatter's Heritage? Well, I, I lived in um, Ivy Road as a child in a house that was bought new by my great-grandparents back in 1898. My great-grandfather used to go, my grandfather used to go, and my father used to go, and now my son and grandson go, all season, well, the three of us are season ticket holders. It was my grandfather, really, that perked up my interest in the club, because he used to come out with lots of stories about Luton Town around the time of the First World War and just after. You know, I just wish I'd have recorded everything he told me, really. But, of course, you don't think about that when uh, when you're young. But he was the one who got me into it. 
I spent a lot of time in the 1960s going into Luton Museum and Luton Library to borrow the um, bound volumes of the Luton News and the Pictorial just to get out all the team lines and the goal scorers, etc. And I did that during the 60s. And then in the late 70s, early 80s, the club ran a syndicated article in the programme entitled The History of Luton Town, and it was full of errors. So I wrote to John Wilkinson, who was the club secretary then, and said, I could do better than this. And he quite rightly wrote back and said, thanks, but no thanks. But we're just about to start on the centenary history of the club. And we've asked a journalist, Tim Collings, to get involved, but he will need the facts and figures and historical information because although he's a journalist, he hasn't got all the information to hand. So over the next four, four years or so, we put together the original history of the club. Now, I must be honest, when I look back, because I was, Tim and I are the same sort of, same sort of age. We we're in our early thirties and how we could call ourselves historians, I don't know, but that's as it was. But anyway, in 1985, after the book came out, Tim was asked to be the program editor and he immediately asked me to write a historical column in the program. And here we are nearly 40 years later and I'm still doing it. Tim's long gone, you know, he's departed to pastures new, but I'm still there writing historical articles every week in the programme. Over the years, I amassed loads and loads of um, memorabilia, um, certainly of the printed variety. I thought to myself, well, it's not doing any good here. What about digitising it? And so we put an advert out asking for likely suspects to come forward to uh, join a committee Called, which we then called Hatter's Heritage, with the object of preserving the history and heritage of the football club. We started off by doing the website, which the eventual intention is to have every page of every programme that we possess, every photograph, every match report, player profiles, features, etc., etc. The list goes on, and it's there forever. Long after I'm gone, that's going to be there for future generations. And that, of course, led into the museum that's going to be at Power Court. We've already agreed space at, at Power Court uh, for the museum, archive space, and also storage space at the museum. So really, it's a case of uh, waiting until uh, it's getting towards being built that we can step in and uh, uh, set up the museum. It's fantastic what you've done, and you are one of the enduring images of my childhood. Like Every time I open up program and even now like i go through all the programs that i have in my garage i just see your face popping up at me every time i turn the page pretty much yeah yeah it, it's fantastic and it, it's great to you know be be talking to you face to face so rog you, you've seen it all pretty much but what would you say are the top three most significant moments in Luton town's history well the most significant moment was the, the one back in May when we won promotion to the Premier League because that secures the club finances for into the future really so that's got to be the most significant step with the vast riches in the Premier League and now we've got some of it um you know we can we can now build second one probably finally getting out of non-league i honestly thought there was spells certainly in 12-13 season I thought we'd never get out of non-league we were going to be there forever but under John Steele we got out of non-league and it was so important to the club to finally get back into the EFL and the third most significant one probably the Littlewoods Cup win really which everybody who went remembers you're going to tell me Ollie that you you were too young to go are you well I was <laughs> I was still in my mummy's tummy at that point I, I didn't get out for another two months after that 
Oh dear, right. Yeah, my, that was my, my son's first season watching Luton and he thought it was normal to go to Wembley because we went to Wembley for the Mercantile Credit Competition, CMOD Cup. We got to an FA Cup semi-final that season. He thought it was normal. He's learned subsequently that that's not the case. Well, he's lucky because my first season was 95-96 when we got relegated. And yeah, like a lot of 90s fans, like all we saw was the downward trajectory, little resurgence, and then the plummet. I admire you for for sticking at it if you started watching the town in 95, 96, because that wasn't, you know, right up until Joe Kinnear came to the club. You know, it was pretty dismal football around that time, the late 90s. You know, there wasn't, you know, we had average crowds of five, six thousand and uh, the football wasn't uh, wasn't stellar, shall we say around that period it was lenny lawrence's so well finest. Done, Ollie. stick it out <laughs> no, thank you uh, so rog yeah. who was your favorite player of all time to wear the jersey my favorite player is a bit left field um it's um keith allen because i just thought he was a tremendous footballer in in the old fourth division days um because 67 68 when we won promotion um, won the championship of the fourth division. That was the first time people of my generation had actually seen seen us win anything. And so the team, which was pretty regular every every week that season, just trips off the tongue, really. And Keith Allen was my favourite at that time. And who's your favourite player in the current squad? I like Carlton Morris. I think he's a very good footballer. He's tight, tireless energy. He controls the ball first time. Um, he's just not getting the chances at the moment, but they'll come, I'm sure. It's a good choice and a very popular choice. Well, shall we crack on and play some Hatter or Lower? Far away, yeah. Ollie. Hatter or Lower is powered by Hatter's Heritage, a website that does the important job of preserving the history of our club. They always need volunteers and you can check them out or get in touch by Googling Hatter's Heritage. And that's exactly what I've done to get the names and appearance totals for 20 Hatters. And then I asked who played more, player A or player B. The contender then has to guess who has made more appearance to the Hatters and try and get as high up on our leaderboard as possible, which you can check out on our website. It's now time to play Hatter or Lower, and this week's contender is Roger Wash. Are you nervous, Rog? Well, I don't want to make an idiot of myself (laughs) because I'm not really a stats man. Um, but you know, well, you selected the six. Let's have a go. So I put together. Yeah, well, that was my yeah. your formative years watching the. Yeah, hands. that's the era I was growing yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, fair play. Well, let's start yeah. off with some the heavyweights. First five years weren't up to much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with some heavyweights. Who played more, Gordon Turner or Ron Bainham? That's a good one. Um. I say Ron Bainham. Incorrect. Gordon Turner played 450 oh. times for Luton Town. Ron Bainham, 434. There's lots of time. Don't worry, Rog. Loads of time. Nine more questions. He scored more goals than... Uh, oh, well, Bainham. that goes without saying. <laughs> Who played more, David Pleat or Gordon Fincham? I say Gordon Fincham. Oh, Incorrect. They can't be matching it, surely. Yeah. David Pleat played 79 times for Luton Town. Gordon Fincham, 69. There really wasn't much in it. Most of these will be quite tight. Who played more? 
Terry Branston or John Reed? I'm thinking that John Reed was around for a lot longer than Terry Branston, so I'll say John Reed. Correct. Terry Branston played 118 hey. times. John Reed played 121. You're, sure. Yeah, there you go. You're <laughs> off the mark. It's pure guesswork, isn't it? Yeah. It does come down to pure guesswork. (laughs) A lot of these can be a coin flip. Who played more, Bruce Rioch or Alan Brown? Bruce Rioch. Incorrect. Bruce Rioch played 167 times. Alan Brown, 175. That's unfortunate. That was a tight one as well. Who played more, John Aston or Graham French? John Aston didn't play in the 60s. You signed for Luton in '72. Oh, I won't. Oh my! Um, oh wow! Flag on the play. My bad, Rog. Yeah, that's all right. So John, John Aston or Graham French? You John think John Aston? John Aston. Incorrect. John Aston played two hundred and one times for Luton Town. Graham French two hundred and two. Not a lot in that one. Graham French coming back to Luton after getting out of prison, I imagine probably put him over the edge who played more tony reed or alan slough alan slough correct tony reed played 229 times alan slough 312 the reason i say that is tony reed was displaced several several goalkeepers came in to take his jersey and uh, he fought, always fought his way back but alan slough was a constant you you probably know who these people are. I don't know who these people are. Who played more, Jerry King or Jimmy Gibson? I'd say Jimmy Gibson. Correct. Jerry King played 25 times for Luton Town. Jimmy Gibson played 38. Who played more, John Bramwell or Ray Whitaker? Coin toss, John Bramwell. Correct. John Bramwell played 206 times for Luton Town. Ray Whitaker. 188. Who played more, Mike Keane or Keith Allen? I'd say Mike Keane. Correct. Mike Keane played 160 times for Luton Town. Keith Allen, 154. I was very worried there that you were going to go with Keith Allen just because you'd mentioned he was your favourite player. Head over hearts. And the final question. Who played more, Fred Jardine or John Groves? I say Fred Jardine. Incorrect. Fred Jardine played 243 times. John Groves, 251. That leaves you with 5 out of 10, which takes you joint top of our leaderboard. So I think that was a very good performance. Yeah, some of them were very tight, yeah. weren't they? They do something that's similar to this at the club's dinners, where... You stand up and hold up a yellow card or a red card when they do these. And I'm always sitting down after about three <laughs> goes, to be quite honest with you. But of course, everybody on the table follows me, you see. So everybody on the table sitting down. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Roger. I'm glad you had a good time playing that. Well, that's us done for this week. You can listen back to our post-match phone-ins across all podcast providers and our YouTube please check out our socials. We are Luton Town on Facebook. We are Luton Town on Twitter. The Waltz Podcast on Twitter. We are also on TikTok, Instagram, Telegram, Discord, and Reddit. 
You can find all of these on our website, wearelucentown.co.uk. Follow across all socials to be involved in monthly giveaways, including Beard Surgeon Beard Oils, Blackstar Fly 3 Amps, and Luton Town Shirts. Thank you all for tuning in. See you all next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.